morning, everyone. Stand up, let's worship. in our youth group. And you know what the Apostle Paul told the new preacher, Timothy, who was a young man? He said, what? I know you guys know this. Don't be bashful. What do you tell them? You know? Yes. Don't let them despise you for your youth, but set an example in your conduct. They are setting an example by serving this morning. Yeah. You too. I'm not leaving you out this morning. So, hey. We got... Everyone needs to text Ace and say, look, the worship team this morning is much prettier than you are, Ace. <laughs> Make sure you do that. So thank you, ladies, for being up there this morning. Welcome to Crossbridge. I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's open in prayer and do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that we're here, uh, Lord, today to worship you in song, giving, preaching, and the teaching of your word this morning. So be with us today, uh, God, and I, I pray this morning that... Um, we, we just get our focus on, on the joy that we have in you today as we talk about that. And uh, Lord, no matter the highs or lows of life, when we're focused on you and we have 
We remember the salvation that you've given us. We have joy, and that's something that lasts every single day, a choice that we can make. And so, God, thank you this morning. I'm excited to be here. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
Amen. All right, you may be seated this morning. Can I have, Dave, can you turn this mic on? We got some Bibles to present from baptism last week. Robbie, Robbie and Roy, come on down. Man, it's amazing to be able to have the privilege of baptizing these two guys. I've seen uh, God do a mighty work in both of them after they came through Freeway, and they're doing, Robbie's doing great things, Roy's house leader, and man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with you. Amen? Amen. Give a hand. Congratulations, guys. And, and then uh, Rose and Amanda, come on up here. Step on up. So... So Kim should be doing this, but I'm going to do it for her today. <laughs> uh, so last night, uh, the girls, they graduated season one class. Uh, every Thursday night at the freeway headquarters, uh, they go through 13 weeks of classes, and uh, this was goal setting and budgeting. And uh, so they completed phase one or season one, and then they have three more seasons to go, which uh, is going to be a total of a year long. So they graduated season one, so give them a hand. Good job. All right. Got several announcements this morning. So uh, we will have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. So men's and women's Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Wednesday night o'clock. And then at 645, uh, we have classes. We have our youth classes, kids classes, and adult class up here. Uh, men's discipleship this afternoon at 430. Where's Alan? At 430 this afternoon. Denny, uh, where's Denny? Denny's probably downstairs, I'm guessing. Yeah, 4.30 this afternoon. Okay, so if you, uh, men, men's discipleships at 4.30 this afternoon. We also have Grief Share. That started back up it's thir every Thursday night uh, here at the church at 6 o'clock. So if you know if someone's struggling with a loss, have them come to Grief Share. It's Thursday night, every Thursday night. Women's Coffee this week is at Prickly Cactus on the 23rd. Friday the 23rd, uh, Women's Coffee at 8.30. Uh, breakfast coffee is it we also have it too is it Tuesday no it's Friday okay Friday at prickly cactus uh, this week uh, women's retreat is April uh, is it too late where's Valerie at I don't know where Valerie's at this morning either Dave is Valerie not here okay is it too late for the women to sign up for the women's retreat it's not okay ladies if you want to go to the women's retreat it is going to be April 28th through May 1st so get signed up. Get with Valerie if you want to go to that women's retreat. It is in Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to have a, another business meeting on February 25th. So put this down. February 25th, after the morning service, we'll have a, a business meeting. We also got a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, in, at the end of March, we have Easter, and I'll be making some announcements about that uh, next week. But before that is Youth Sunday. Youth Sunday is March 3rd. There's going to be a lunch right after church. There will be a lunch and a dessert auction uh, to follow. If you would, if you're going to stay for Youth Sunday lunch, please sign up because uh, we're having a whole big meal and they just need to know uh, how many is going to be here for the meal. The second one here is if you would like to make a dessert for the auction, Please sign up for that and let them know what you're making. So we got two forms going around there, trying to make sure they get through the, the whole congregation this morning. Anything else on Youth Sunday? That's pretty much it. Got it covered? Okay. So the youth that, that morning, it's a really great service. The youth that morning, 
Well, kind of like today, we'll be leading the music. Uh, one of them will be reading scripture. They'll they'll be teaching the Sunday school classes that morning, the youth, uh, the children's classes. So it's a it's a really really uh, good service, really neat service. The young adults, college and young adult class, they have a, a gathering next Saturday at three o'clock. There is a, a Facebook page, a young adult Facebook page. So go to that Facebook page, or you can ask Dustin or Rachel. They have all the details. They're going to play pickleball uh, next week. But all those details, or if you have questions, go see them. They're on that Facebook page. Uh, what else do we have? Work day today at 1 o'clock. At 1 o'clock uh, is the church work day. If you would like to help, we're going to Nikki's. Um, not a whole lot to do, I don't think, right? A little bit. Okay, look at cutting down a tree and loading some scraps. So that's at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And then this week, uh, Tammy organized the strawberry uh, event to raise money for the mission trip. And so I got a total back. After the expenses, what was raised for the mission trip was $4,351. So yeah. A big thank you uh, to them. Something else we did this week. We're busy. We've had a busy week. Uh, a bunch of us, there were 16 of us that went to a marriage conference this week uh, in Branson. So we went on Friday, and it got done yesterday afternoon. If you went to the marriage conference, would you please stand up this morning? Don't be shy. Okay, come up here now. Come on. Come on up. So... Next year, anybody can sign up. Uh, It's held at Chateau-on-the-Lake, and what we do is it starts on a Friday afternoon, and then it goes uh, till Friday evening. Then what we did is we all went and ate dinner with one another. So we had like 20 people at dinner. We had a couple of church members who were like, well, we can't make the conference. We want to eat dinner with you. It was a great time. So what I'm asking this morning is just if you would like to, which nobody's going to talk now because I said if you like to, uh, share something. Why would it be beneficial for a married couple in our body to go with us next year? Because we do it every February. Uh, it's put on by United Baptist Church in Springfield. What would be beneficial? We're going to start right here and go down the line. <laughs> and, and the man always has to step up in the household and lead. <laughs> I don't know. We hadn't been married very long, but I just think it's good reminders of how we could grow together and, I guess, Keep our marriage good. I don't know. Grow our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) To stay out of trouble, right? (laughs) Good reminders how to stay out of trouble. Uh, So here's the deal. So everyone thinks, well, hey, the the preacher doesn't need to go to a marriage conference. Yes, because I misbehave every week, okay? So it's it's good reminders on just putting into practice these principles of how I can be a better husband, a godly husband, a godly father, and so there's, I'm not at always, as you guys probably figured out, the best communicator at times. And, and sometimes that goes over to the household. And so one of the lessons we went to was on communication. And I was like, my, my side was wore out from getting elbowed the whole time, right? <laughs> so there are things that are better. You want to say anything, babe? Yeah. She, she's already the perfect wife. She didn't learn anything. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I learned quite a bit this weekend. There are a few of the, the hot points that really got to me. A lot of was communication and attention. These stupid phones yeah. are our enemy. <laughs> I mean, they'll, they'll bring you closer to people that are farther away, and they'll take you farther away from people that are close. 
I'd hate to tell you how many nights she'll sit on her couch, I'll sit at mine, and we'll just stare at our phones and won't even communicate. Guys, talk to your wives. Touch, hold her hand, put your arm around her, let her know you love her with no ulterior motives. Just, just, <laughs> just, just love your wife, let her know she's important. I didn't realize how bad I was failing in that area. Right. So um, I, the, for both of us, communication. I'm looking at my phone because I remember <laughs> this morning that Jeff was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I asked Dana to share what hers was, and she, she also was talking about the communication. The, the points that they made was how important it is to talk, uh, touch, and thoughtfulness. Um, those are the ones that stuck out to me, and, and Dana... Um, also the same points, but also selflessness touched, uh, came out to her. And in as another communication class, they touched on how important it is to be encouraging. And that, that's the one that really sunk into me is every time I talk to my wife, um, I should try to be my very best to be encouraging or, or just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so that's what, that's what I learned most. <laughs> Now, along with the communication, there was a good one was the uh, boundaries. It was fixing fences and just how to set boundaries. And there's so many things that you don't think about as far as setting boundaries. And Jeff said, you know, he enjoyed listening, getting to listen to other people speak. I got to enjoy That's listening to other thing. people speak, too. They, they heard <laughs> sermons from different people besides me, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we haven't been married very long, but <laughs> if you guys don't know what color your eyes are, my eyes, my wife's eyes are blue, but oh. <laughs> anyway, you need to get to know your wife and uh, by communication. Communication is a, a key feature in your marriage. Yeah, that was the big thing was communication. And even though we have been married a long time, you go through different stages, like we're empty nesters now, and we just kind of stare at our phones on opposite <laughs> couches now <laughs> at times. So it's a good reminder that um, talking and touching just, you know, life's busy, and you just um, think, ah, we're done. We raised our kids. They're all married. Now we got grands, and you're just exhausted. So take time for one another. It was a good weekend away, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things that, you know, you, you want to try to do better. And when you leave, you, you know, you're convicted. The Holy Spirit convicts you of certain areas. One thing, like the phone and the communication, because I'm, I'm honestly getting phone calls. And I get texts all the time. I didn't know that iPhone had this deal called Do Not Disturb. So, like, I, I'm, gonna ha I'm just warning you, if you send me a prayer request, I may not get to it right away, okay? And maybe a couple hours, because there's going to be some times in the evening where I have Do Not Disturb on. So if you try to get a hold of me... I'll get back with you, I promise. It just may not be always as prompt as I have been because I need to do, I, my big takeaway was I need to be on do not disturb more than I am right now. So, yeah. So, all right. Uh, yeah, anybody else have any other announcements? I think that covered everything for this morning, I think. All right, if you would stand, let's take up our morning offering and have our time of worship today. Before we jump into God's word together, let's go Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you again. Lord, I thank you for all the announcements that I had this morning, uh, Lord, that we, we have a church that's serving in, in, in all so many different areas, and uh, we're growing in you in so many different areas. And that's my prayer for this morning, God, that, 
we grow in you today, that we, we put our eyes on you and your word, and we stay focused on that. And uh, God, that if there's area of our, our lives we need to grow in joy this morning, I pray that we do that. Uh, and, and Lord, um, in everything we want to glorify and honor you. It's in your name I do pray. Amen.
morning. All right, kids can go downstairs to Children's Church this morning if they'd like to. I think they're going this Brenda this morning, second grade and below. Turn in your Bibles. This week we're jumping out, just for one week, jumping out of Moses. We're going to talk about joy today. And, I, and we didn't pick, I did not communicate with them. They didn't communicate with me on the music. But the last song, right, what was the words of that? It was talking about Blessed be your name regardless of where I'm at, whether it's in the desert, whether I have a lot, no matter the situation, what is that? That's joy. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Some of you may have these verses memorized. You're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. These are, these are things that come out of our lives that the Holy Spirit works in us and that come out of our lives when we're following Christ. These are fruits of being a follower of Christ. Here's what it says. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, there's our word, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning how you work things out. And that last song is exactly on what I'm preaching about this morning. So I pray, uh, I pray God that this morning, if, if we're up and down all the time in life, and, and, uh, and we are, there's great days and there's bad days. And, and uh, Lord, I, I, I pray this morning that we get our focus on you. And our focus is on having joy in you, joy in serving you. And Lord, then all the distractions and the up and down of life, it just gets so small. So that's what my prayer is this morning for this body of believers. We get our focus on you. We have joy in you. Lord, we love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to jump out of Moses this week for just one reason. And it's because I think this is something that we all go through at one time or another. We're, we're, we all go through this at one time or another. 
You ever have times in your life where you just feel bummed? You're just like, you're just bummed out. Maybe something happened at work. Maybe it was uh, your life at home, your marriage. Maybe it was an issue with another family member. Maybe it was an issue with a church family. Just times when you're sad and you're down. That anybody else in the room besides Preacher Jeff? I think so. If we're being honest, probably everybody. Probably everybody at one time or another, right? When I get like that, when I get down, there's one thing that I can guarantee that I can always turn to for refreshment. That's God's Word. That's God's Word. And so God is very clear in His Word that one of the hallmarks of being a follower of Christ is having a joyful life. It's having joy in your life. It's choosing to rejoice. The fruit of the Spirit, what comes out of us, the fruit that we produce by being followers of Christ is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Now look, none of those are going to be perfected in our life until we are in heaven with Jesus, right? Nobody's perfect. I don't have perfect joy. You don't have perfect joy. But I hope today that we can, we can recognize the difference between being happy and having joy. Everybody wants to be happy. In fact, I think if you ask people, if you were to do a survey on the street and just say, what is your number one ambition in life? What is the thing you want? Everybody, not everybody, but most people will say, I want to be happy. I just want to be happy. The truth is, you can find happy people everywhere. You can find them outside the church, in the church, but you can also find people who are very unhappy too. All of us have various ideas of what would make us happy. Most of us, if you're a Chiefs fan this morning, you were really happy last Sunday night. Yeah, there you go. Which I'm proud of you guys. We don't have an aggravating church. because no, I'm an aggravator, and I'm kind of convicted, because if the Broncos would have won the Super Bowl, every one of you would have gotten a text message from me about that. <laughs> nobody, nobody said a word to me. I'm like, man, we got a loving... But, I mean, when you win it every year, too, it kind of just, you know, it's like, I don't know. But that's you guys right now, right? But everybody was really happy. Most of you, I know we got some 49ers fans that weren't happy. They were unhappy, right? Um, but most of us think if we have a good day, then that turns into being happy. But how can you be happy even on bad days? Well, let's look at what makes a bad day. I read this this week. I want to share it. It's kind of funny before we get into the meat and taste of sermon. It's a bad day when your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. It's a bad day. It's a bad day when it costs more to fill up your car than it did to buy it. That's about all of us right now, right? I mean... It's a bad day if you take your income tax refund to the bank to deposit it, and it bounces. That's really about all of us right now, if we're being honest, right? Uh, it's a bad day when the bird singing outside your window is a vulture. That's, that's not a good day, right? It, it can be easy to be happy, though, when everything's going our way. But what about the rest of life? What about when you're going through stuff? Are you, are you happy only when everything is going your way? If that's the only time you're happy, you're going to be unhappy the majority of your life. What does the Bible say about this? This is what the Bible says about joy. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You see, happiness is different than joy. Happiness will depend on happenings. 
It comes from a root word that means circumstances, which literally means I'm happy today because things happen to turn out right. But I'm not happy tomorrow because things may not be so good. And, and if, if our joy is dependent upon happiness, this is what happens. You're up and down. Joy is completely different. Joy goes to the deepness of who we are. Joy is an attitude. It's a choice. Joy is inside. Joy is not dependent upon the circumstances. It's our choice to rejoice. He says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. That means you have a choice to rejoice or not. You have a choice to be joyful. Joy is what makes life enjoyable. So here's some reasons why, as followers of Christ, we have to get our focus off of happiness and circumstances and get them on the joy that comes from Christ. Scripture gives us so many reasons. Here's the first one. I'm going to cover several of them this morning. We should be joyful because God has a purpose for our life. He has a purpose for our life. We can rejoice because we know He has a plan. He has a purpose for every situation in our life. The good stuff and the bad stuff. He has a purpose for it. What does Romans 8.28 says? It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. He has a plan. He has a purpose. It's, he's going to work it out for good. There's a purpose. Literally, I love hearing testimonies. I love hearing testimonies of how God has worked in your life. They do that on Saturday night, the Saturday night freeway service. They have a time of testimony where, where someone who has shared their testimony with Mike, our freeway director, written it down. It's approved. They get up here, they stand, and they share their testimony. And you know what that testimony is? It's how God has changed their life. Listen, God is in the life-changing business. That's what He does. He takes a life and He changes it. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, He's radically changed your life. He's changed your life. Turn to Romans real quick. Just flip over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verses 3 and 4. We got to we got to remember this cuz th this is the key this is a very key to this point. Romans 3 uh, chapter 5 verses 3 and 4. It says this, more than that we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So whatever happens in our life, whatever we're going through, even the bad stuff, literally brings about change. The Greek word translated suffering here means distress. And it refers to anything in our lives that would put us under pressure. We translate it into trials, troubles, pressures, problems. Many people have this misconception that when they get rid of all of their problems, when they get rid of all of the pressures in life, then they're going to be happy. But here's the problem with that. Here's the issue. You're never going to get rid of all of the stresses and pressures in life. Like, as soon as you take care of one thing, I've learned this. 
Not that I am the great wise person here, because I'm certainly not. But there's one thing I've learned in life, that when you get one of one problem, another one comes up. In ministry, as an elder, when you get one, one problem, or we eliminate a problem, something else comes up the next week. Like, I'll tell you guys, I'm being honest with you. In nine years of ministry, not that we have a problematic congregation, but ministry has issues. There's Because why? Because we're as a church body, we're all... We're all sinners, right? And so we, at times, will sin against one another. Inevitably, I'm telling you, we have never in nine years that I can remember spent an elders meeting talking about fishing or our trucks or anything else. No. No, we don't. Or we, we spend time, number one, you know what we start with? Prayer. And we pray for you guys. And we pray for ourselves. We pray for wisdom and discernment. And then the rest of the time is talking about how can we make godly decisions for our body to grow them spiritually? To take care of issues, spiritual concerns that people have. Like we, and guess what? We tackle one and you think you can take a deep breath and two weeks later, we got another one. And that's, that's just, that's life, right? Well, if my happiness was dependent upon getting rid of all those problems... Or my or ministry was was thinking that uh, eventually I'll get rid of the problems and there'll be nothing but joy. I wouldn't be in ministry, and you're not ever going to have joy in life if you think you're going to ever get to that point. Just because you, you get rid of a big problem, then you know there's smaller problems. Joy is learning to live life in spite of the problems. It's learning how to have joy in spite of all the problems. Joy is not absent of problems. It's realizing the presence of God in the midst of all those problems. Staying focused on Him. That is why Paul says we rejoice in suffering. Not because of the suffering. The suffering is no fun. But Christians can be positive even in a negative situation because we know that God has a purpose for it. We know that we're going to grow on the other side of it. We're going to get more wisdom on the other side of it. I'm telling you, I make decisions as the pastor here with our elders that are that I, in hindsight I look back on them and go, "Ugh, what did I do? Man, I messed that up. I messed that up." But you know what? I learned from that. And the next time I have that same problem, guess what? I don't mess it up anymore. So we're in a growing, like we're grow together. We grow. We learn from our suffering. Listen, that's a perspective though that non Christians don't have. They don't have that. With us, no matter what happens to us, God is ultimately in control. And He's big enough to take the bad stuff and make it work for our good. So it boils down to a matter of perspective. Perspective makes all the difference in the world. When, when, when you're pro, how, you, how you are with your problems makes a huge difference on how you react to them. How, in the big scheme of things, how you look at those. Problems have purpose. The book of James talks about this. It also speaks about this. James 1, 2 through 4. What does it say? Consider it all joy. Here's the word again, my brethren. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. Endurance. And let the endurance have its perfect result, so you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God uses pressures and trials and things in our life to grow. It tests our faith. We develop endurance. The endurance is trusting Him even more. Following Him even more. Endurance is long term. It's not short term. 
people that people can burn out. Man, how many people have you seen burn out on Christianity? Burn out on ministry like that. Because the minute they face trials, man, this is no longer fun. I'm no longer happy doing this instead of having joy. Problems have a purpose. Now, hey, I want to share with you. I think this is the greatest example, and it's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Turn to Acts chapter 16. It's one of my favorite stories. I, I, it seems like I, I come back to this sometimes a lot. But it's, in, it's Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40. There's a lot of verses here. A lot of verses. And I'm not going to read all of them for the sake of time. In fact, here's your homework. I want you to go back today and read Acts 16, 16 through 40. I'm going to break it down for you here. But this is a great example. This is a great example. Two men, Paul and Silas, who are doing God's work. They're being obedient to God. In fact, they're walking. They're, they're preaching the gospel everywhere. And they're in Philippi. And they're sharing the gospel. And there's a demon-possessed girl in this passage that's following along behind them. And she's aggravating them. Because everywhere they go... She is screaming, these men have come to proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she follows them around for days, screaming this. And Paul finally is aggravated enough, and he cares for the girl, obviously. He turns and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the demon comes out immediately out of the girl. Now the owners are upset. This girl was a slave girl. But she was a fortune teller because she had the demon inside of her. So don't go, side note, don't go to fortune tellers or palm readers or anybody like that. Because you know what they're literally using? Demonic. It's demonic. So this demon-possessed girl is telling fortunes. And she's making her owners a lot of money. Well, Paul just got rid of that, right? Cast the demon out. They're furious. So they beat them. They beat Paul and Silas, and they throw them into jail. And the Bible says they put them into the inner stocks, as you're reading this. They put them into the inner dungeon. Now listen, these guys are obeying God. They're spreading the good news of Jesus. And they get beat up for it. And they get thrown in jail because of it. Now if there's anybody that would have a reason... To, to mope around and pout and not have joy, it's Paul and Silas. Like, I don't know of another story in the Bible you can't point to and go, yeah, them guys have a reason to be upset, right? They're in the inner jail. They've been beaten. But what are they doing? What do they do? They aren't moping around. I don't think there's anybody in this room today. Maybe so, but I'm going to make a generalized statement. There's nobody in this room this week that has went through what Paul and Silas did there. I would venture to say. Nobody's been beat up for sharing their faith and thrown in prison. Or we would probably know about it. And we'd be talking to Sheriff Cole and we'd get you out. We'd bail you out of jail. And we'd help you and feed you a good meal. And then we would hopefully prayerfully do what they did. And you know what that is? They, they were singing and praising hymns to God. They were praying and singing hymns to God in jail. And what happens? What happens? An earthquake happens, and the walls of the jail collapse. And the Philippian jailer, who had put them in the inner stocks, is about ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're still here. Because he knows if one of these prisoners escapes, he's getting executed. 
Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're still here. And you know what the Philippian jailer says? He looks at him and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? And they share the gospel with them. And this passage says that what? Him and his whole household that night are saved and baptized. It's amazing. If Paul and Silas had been in prison, moping and whining around, which they had every right to do, but they had joy in who? The Lord. Somebody's saved. God takes a horrible situation and works it together for his good. Why? Because Paul and Silas are filled with joy and love. No matter the circumstances, they had joy in the Lord. Wow, what a lesson for us. We don't have it bad. Church, you don't have it bad. If you have a house that doesn't have a dirt floor, you have it better than 99% of the world. That's just the truth. Everybody could get a meal this morning. You might eat many of, I know, we got donuts back here. I still see them. You could eat a donut this morning. You know how many of our brothers and sisters in the Lord don't have food? We don't have nothing to be unhappy about. We should have joy in the Lord because He has a purpose for everything that we're going through. Have joy in Him. Here's the second thing. We have joy because God has given us a life of hope. Romans 15, 13 says this. Now may God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. In believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There should never be a time in our life, brothers and sisters, where we feel hopeless. Why? Because we have Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. In any situation, you should never feel hopeless. It is said that a person can live 40 days without food, 3 days without water, 8 minutes, I think, is a stretch, but without air, but not one minute without hope. Our hope in Christ is what sustains us because we have that. What does it say? John, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Man, that means that the creator of the universe, who created everything, who owns everything, is what's living inside of us. That is greater than any problem that we could face anywhere. It just is. Many people have hope. But here's what, they put their hope in the wrong thing. They don't base it on anything solid. It's artificial. Many people put their hope in stuff of the world. The stock market. If you put your hope in the stock market, what happens when the stock market crashes? Their good looks. I mean, some of us are pretty good looking. But we get old. It catches up with us. I'm not nearly as good looking today as I was when I was 22. Selena, you better say that I am, but she'd probably say, well, you're not, honey. You put on some pounds, and right? Time catches up with us. Eventually, people, you see that, though, all over our country where people will spend thousands and thousands of dollars trying to, trying to get the fountain of youth. It ain't going to happen. Everybody's going to die. In fact, I saw a photo of Clint Eastwood. You think of Clint Eastwood is like this, man. Well, I saw Clint Eastwood this week in a photo. He's like 94, but he's directing a movie. Time's caught up with Clint Eastwood. Time's going to catch up with me or you. They try, to, they try to put their hope in a job. 
What happens when the company closes? These things are all temporary. They even try to put their hope in people. What happens when that person dies? What if that person sins against you? What happens if people put hope in the preacher and I sin against you? You know what happens? You leave. You lose hope and you leave. Don't put hope in me. Don't put hope in anything in this world. Your hope comes from Christ. From Christ. Because look, when the hope is gone, the joy is gone. But with Christ, He's never gone. He's never gone. He's always there. As Christians, we have a reason for hope. Greater is He who is in you than who, He who is in the world. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. There's all sorts of things that can happen to us in this Christian life. All sorts of horrible things that can happen to you. People talk bad about you. People lie about you. They're mean to you. They didn't look at you the right way. I don't know. Whatever it is that may cook your goose. Who cares? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The whole world could come crashing down around us. But guess what? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have to put your focus in Christ, your hope in Christ. Not in people. Not in stuff. Not in relationships in the church. In Christ. That's where your hope has to be found. Here's the third thing. This is amazing too. Guess who's for you? God. God is for you. The creator of the universe is not only living inside of you, he is with you. He's for you. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, then who's against us? I mean, somebody wants to destroy your ministry because they don't like what you say or what you preach. Who cares? If you know that God is for you. If you're a follower of Christ, you know that God is for you. Listen, all these examples in Scripture, it's God who took a man who couldn't speak well, which we're going to get to about Moses. God says, go back to Egypt and get my people. Well, God, I'm not a good speaker. I, I can't speak well. And he comes up with all these excuses. And he defeats the greatest army the world had ever seen in Egypt. Moses, with a staff. It's the same God. In the book of Daniel, who saved Daniel from the mouth of lions. It's the same God who a couple weeks ago we talked about saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the furnace. It's the same God who saved Lazarus from death. It's the same God who died on the cross for me and you. It's the same God who rose again and defeated death. That is who is for you. That is who is on your side. You're on his side. You're in his army. Remember the little kid's song they used to sing at VBS? Anybody know it? Who, who knows the little kid's song? Yeah, I'm in the Lord's. Do you know that? You do? Would you want to come up here this morning? That's what I thought. <laughs> this church is getting way too smart to my tactics. Because I know everyone in that row knows that song. And my kids are like, do not raise your hand or dad's going to bring you up. Oh, man. You know what? You're in the Lord's army. He's for you. That's who's for us. We can be joyful in any circumstance. Because God is always for those who believe in Him. 
No matter what you're facing. No matter what you're going through. Hey, Mindy. Mindy has heart surgery again next Friday. A lot of you don't know that. I feel horrible for her. Because she had this long road of recovery. We're going to bring you up during the invitation. I want all the elders to come up. We're going to pray for Mindy. She has heart surgery next Friday. Again, they got to cut her open and do the heart surgery. And you're bummed about it, right? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Right? No matter what you go through, God's with you. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. My final verses. They say this. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, nothing can overwhelm you. So stop getting down like this. And get some joy in the Lord. Don't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. No matter what you go through in life, guess what? You're never going to do it alone. If you're a follower of Christ, He's with you. That's a reason to rejoice. Joy is like a muscle. The more you exercise that, the stronger it becomes, right? Here's some three quick suggestions. It wasn't my last verse. Here's three quick suggestions. Number first, number one, develop the first one. Develop an attitude of gratitude. That you're thankful for everything that God has given you in your life. You're not trying to keep up with the Joneses and what they have. You're thankful for what God has given you. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, in everything, give thanks. Give thanks. That's an attitude of gratitude. It doesn't mean that we have to be thankful for the heart surgery. That's not going to be fun. Rather, we're just to be thankful in all circumstances. God, thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. I'm thankful for what you've provided for me. In spite of what's going on in my life, I'm focused on you. Second, you know how else you can be thank- or you can flex this muscle of joy? Give. Cultivate joy by giving. Acts 20, 35 says it's more blessed to give than receive. Give of your time, your talents, your finances. Focus on the kingdom. You, you know what? You can never outgive God. Never. Our church can never outgive God because he owns everything anyway. And he's given us everything with eternal life. Focus on giving of your time. Focus on serving Him. Third, that's the third one. Develop inner joy through service. Mark 8.35 says, Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. You know what the happiest, most joyful people are usually too busy serving others to ask themselves, Am I happy? They're focused on the kingdom. They're just... Their head is down and they're serving. And if somebody's grumpy next to them, who cares? It doesn't affect them because they're head down, they're working. They're serving the kingdom. They're joyful. Joy comes, folks, as we get our focus off of ourselves. And we get our focus on Christ and serving Him. And when you have that, oh man. You know what? Little things. Little things like cancer. Oh, that's not a little thing. Yeah, it is. Because if you get cancer and you get to heaven, you're going to get to heaven before me. Lucky you. That's how you have to look at this. And you have joy in the Lord. I'm going to ask the girls who come this morning, our worship team.
God has a purpose for your life, church. My brothers and sisters here, God has a purpose for your life. Our problems have a purpose. Paul and Silas did not know what was about to happen in that jail. They didn't know. All they knew is they had joy in the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for letting us suffer for your namesake. They had joy in the Lord, and what did God do? The whole family was saved. And we get to talk about it thousands of years later in Crossbridge Baptist Church. It's in His Word. They had joy in the Lord. God has given us hope. No matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it gets, He's there. He's there. He's with you. If you base your joy and your hope on things of this world, I'm going to tell you this morning, you're going to be disappointed. You are going to be disappointed over and over again. If you base your joy and your hope on Christ, you're never disappointed. You have an eternal perspective. And the little things that come up, eh, eh. what can I learn from this to serve the Lord? How can I grow from this? From my mess-ups, how can I grow from the situations that I've gotten myself into? Here's the thing this morning as I close, and they're about ready to sing. If you don't have Christ, you don't have hope. You don't have hope. Without Christ, this is meaningless. Without Jesus Christ, I'm not here this morning. Neither are you. There's no point. If you don't have Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Put your faith and trust in Him, not stuff of the world. If you have gotten your focus off of Christ, and you've let things come in, and your focus hasn't been on the joy that you have in Him, you know what I love a God that allows us to say, hey, get back on track. You can do that. You know what all it takes is you to humble yourself. Humble yourself and say, God, I've gotten off track. I need to get back to having joy in you and not stuff or everybody else. Get joy in you. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask our elders to come. I never call somebody down here, but I am calling Mindy down here as we want to pray over you this morning. I'm going to ask our elders to come. If you want us to pray for you, I encourage you to come after Mindy. You want to pray by yourself, you can do that. Let's pray, and then we'll have our time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for your word. Thank you for this time we could spend in it. And Lord, I pray that we're a church that focuses on you and the joy that only comes from you. If there's people here this morning that don't have that, don't have that hope, I pray today is the day of salvation. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
Our benediction. We'll let them continue to pray. That's okay. And and uh, you guys pray as long as you need to. And if you want to talk to me after, and you still want to come and pray, you can do that. Uh, our benediction today is out of out of the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs seventeen twenty two. It says, "A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones." Huh? Solomon knew. Solomon knew that when you have joy, when you're joyful, man, that's the best kind of medicine you can have. Just it's, you're good. When you have joy in the Lord, that's everything. Man, but a crushed spirit, it's like nothing. Have joy in the Lord. Hey, if your focus has been off, here's what I've told myself all week. Get your focus back. Get your focus back to what's important. Hey, here's my last tip for the week. Look up on iPhone or Android the do not disturb feature. And take some time where you just press do not disturb. And spend time in God's word with your families. Do not disturb. That's my word for the next month. Two or three words. Do not disturb. All right. Alan Greenfield, would you close us in prayer this morning? Our our holy heavenly father, we... We truly love you, Father, and what a joy it is to, to stand here in Crossbridge Church, Father, and, and worship you and hear this message on joy. When you left this world, you said, all joy has been given to me, and it is. So, Father, we just simply love you. Thank you for this day. Go with us today. And be with us tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.